And there came a day. A day unlike... Wait. No, that's been done. Hmm. Who knows what evil lurks in... No, that is that other thing. What has yellow skin and rights? Ah, forget it. You're listening to Panelology. Excelsior, oh, damn it. Welcome to episode 264 of Panelology. I'm Alex. And I'm Brian. How you doing this week? I'm okay. I'm where I'm, yeah. I got some comics read and I got some work done at work and it's been, it's been okay. That is an accurate description of my week as well. Yeah. I Two actually birds, got to go one out, stone. I actually got to go out and see some people this week too, since, uh, yeah, I'm now fully immunized, so I'm all good. Excellent. Yeah. I uh, got to go do work in a theater for the first time in 14 months or Oh, very nice. Longer. Very nice. Yes, it was a nice change of pace. But let's talk about comics because <laughs> there are that. a lot of them. There's quite a few, quite a few. Up first, The Many Deaths of Lila Starr, number two. Written by Ram V, with art by Felipe Andrade, and color assists by Inessa Morrow, and letters by And World Design. I love this book so very much. I cannot tell you how much. I do not have those words. I can tell you how much. All the much. Yes. I love it all the much. It is, as Jin would say, a good, good book. It is indeed. Yeah, like, I, every every time I read this, I am i don't know why I'm surprised at how much I like it, but I, I just am. I don't know. My favorite thing about it, and this is going to make me sound like an absolute idiot, despite the fact that it is called The Many Deaths of Lila Starr, mm -hmm. I'm always caught off guard when Lila Starr dies. <laughs> okay. And the reason I mention this is because it sells so much the humor and the conversation and the humanity of these characters. Like, most of this issue is two conversations, one between Lila Starr and a crow named Ka, mm -hmm. and one between Lila Starr and the boy. Yes. And mm -hmm. despite being just a pair of conversations, I become so engaged in what they're talking about and sort of the narrative structure that's playing over top of it that... Y yeah, when, you do lose track of it, yes. When When something does happen, like, that's not where my head's at that's not what i'm expecting like exactly. i know yeah i know the title but that's not what i'm thinking about when it happens it's a there's a there's a bit of a misdirect there like you're there and i I don't even want to say misdirect it's just that you're like you said you're so involved in the story and the characters and the conversations that are going on that it just you just kind of lose track of that yeah like it's yeah. it's charming in a way that does not typically invite death very true very true i but i i yeah i love her conversation with the crow the crow is great mhm mm and and very like just how it is this is this yeah this is how it is we're both creatures of death by the way i got to go now they're putting their ice out <laughs> <laughs> it's snack time exactly well, and just the 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 thematic coming to terms 
for Lila Star with remembering and being remembered being the purview of the mortal. Like, right. Well, and the idea that as death, she has killed so many people, but now that she's mortal, it's different. Right. It's harder to yeah. kill. And also suddenly there's almost a sort of guilt in not being able to remember the names of the people exactly. who she'd taken. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Very, very good. Can't wait for the next one. Agree. Also, just the art, all the design and coloring remains gorgeous. Concur. <laughs> Meanwhile, also from Rom V, is Catwoman number 31. With art by Fernando Blanco, colors by Jordi Belair, and letters by Tom Napolitano. So we are we are right in the middle of the uh, Catwoman rescuing uh, Poison Ivy. Yes. Or now, just Ivy now. Not just Ivy. Just Ivy. Um, which I, I love this arc, but the specifically the reason there was one particular thing I wanted to mention in this. And that is if you read the DC festival of, uh, festival of heroes, the, the Asian heroes, um, there was one story about, uh, a young girl who is the daughter of Cheshire Mm -hmm. and Roy Harper. Yep. And we find out that she is shoes which is the person that is accompanying Selena to this party and is quickly becoming kind of her protege. Yeah, we even saw back in Future State her more grown up acting yes. in that role. There are a couple of other things I want to point out in this too while we're here. Uh, one is Ivy. Yeah. Because the version of Ivy we see, who's been held in a test tube, she's been experimented on they have harvested drugs from her in just the context of this book it makes perfect sense for her to feel somewhat fractured right yes she seems just a little bit out of touch with reality but brian let's say hypothetically that she were split into two people and had uh <laughs> rooted herself in the green and was in conflict with herself in sort of a metaphorical plane as well how well would that fit into what we're also seeing here? Wow, it's almost like those two stories could be written by the same per wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. Yes. There was there was I don't know, maybe I was just having a dumb week, but I was like halfway into this issue and like, I wonder how this fits with Ivy and Swamp thing. Oh wait, it's Rom V doing both. Of course yes. they'll fit together. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Um it took me just a moment to connect those dots in a way that it does not normally. Uh <laughs> Well, to be to be fair though, this story and the and the swamp things were very very different tonal wise. Like just kind of the whole presentation of them are different, but they're still both great. Yeah, so, I mean, I think know. that's it. They're in such different slices of the universe. Yes, that again, kind of by design, that sort of distraction. I think it's meant to kind of throw you off guard a little. I think you're probably right. The other thing I want to uh, talk about in this is, we mentioned again last week, the sort of one-year arrangement Batman and Catwoman have, that they're going to give each other space and give themselves time to think through things and work through things. And maybe how even that felt a little, just a little artificial. Right. I feel like this issue kind of earns that. Uh, uh, or at least uses that in a really clever way. 
it, it yeah, I, I would agree that I, I don't know that it it helps earn it, but at least like if it's happening, then yeah, make good use of it, right? Well, I like this idea that Selena is deep in the mystery of who's pulling these strings to the point where she even has Simon Saint's name. But she can't just go to Batman and say, hey, what do you know about Simon Saint? She, like, has to sort of prove this to herself and also hold this distance to honor their agreement. And, like, I don't think she realizes how deep she's in. But at the same time, by virtue of having that disconnect, can't realize that and can't connect those dots and has the one piece of information Batman really needs right now. But there's no way to give it to him. Yeah. And I I think that's a really smart use of the premise. Agreed. Agreed. Also just fucking gorgeous. <laughs> it was a it was a beautiful week for comic. I I don't remember who tweeted this. I think I saw someone even retweet it, so it's probably not someone I followed in the first place, but uh they retweeted a screen cap of Comic Book Roundup, which is this uh sort of metacritic metacritic style uh review score aggregator. Mm-hmm. There are, like, nine books that came out this week with, like, an 8.7 or higher rating from from critics and readers. Wow. Putting that in context, like, normally in a week there are two or three. Yeah. Just a really incredible comics week this week. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it it, it absolutely was. Everything I've read, I don't think there was anything that really disappointed me. No. Let's talk about The Flash number 770. Uh, this is written by Jeremy Adams. Art is by Jack Herbert, Brandon Peterson, and Kevin McGuire. Colors are by Michael Atiyah, and letters by Steve Wad. Yeah, I, I am really, really digging this arc. I am too. I We talked about it with the first issue. I was a little hesitant mm-hmm. about the idea of sort of retreading the ground of whether or not Wally would be the Flash, or would be a hero, or could be a hero. Right. And I read a review with Jeremy, or an interview with Jeremy Adams before that first issue about how he's a big Wally fan. He knows what Wally has been through recently. He knows people are frustrated with that. And kind of like stopping just before asking people to give him this arc and be patient with him. And I would stop and ask people, give him this arc and be patient with him. Um, well, I think one of the clever things about it is he, I mean, he, he, he was very upfront and approaches that question right at the beginning of this mm-hmm. and then kind of just puts the whole thing on hold to give well, it time to. And I think that's exactly what's happening is it's giving it time and allowing what he wants to, how he wants to answer that question to, to have some time to earn whatever that is, if that makes sense. It does. And I yeah. think at the same time for me as a reader who reads a lot of comics, and who reads some news about comics, and who can, you know, table talk, metagame, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. look at what's coming up down the line and see some of the rumors and what pieces are on the table. And like, part of the reason that, that at first I, I resisted the idea of a will Wally West be the Flash Shark is because, in a way, the answer is, well, yeah, duh. <laughs> and I think there is something to be said for, it's clear that Jeremy Adams knows the answer is, well, yeah duh and he introduces the question and then shows how does wally get to well yeah duh right 
Right. I also think it's a really smart introduction of Flash characters and lore that had not been actively used in the last decade so much because of the way we're jumping to from time to time to time. Yeah. Well, and I think that's that's an issue in general with the whole kind of like it's an issue that prequel has that a prequel has. Right. Is, you know, where, where the you know, where that character ends up. Yeah. So it's what you're essentially having to try to do in a prequel is tell the story of how they got there. And the absolute 100 percent most important part of that is earning how they got there. Right. right. Yeah. And. So, yeah, you're going to have to take a little bit of time to do that, or otherwise it, it absolutely is going to feel forced. And, like, this issue really dug Wally slash Jay and the Ray. Mm-hmm. Uh, the art in that flashback, or, or whatever you want to call time travel sequence, was fucking gorgeous. Oh, no kidding. Um, I, well, and as a, as a very long, like, Flash was the first comic book I ever collected. And so as a very, very, very old Flash fan who knows a whole lot of Flash history and all that, to see, like, Jay Garrick in the World War II era and the whole Adolf Hitler and the Spear of Destiny thing, Mm -hmm. which was a big part of, you know, Justice Society and All-Star Squadron and all that. Like, I loved that whole thing. I'm also always here for punching a Nazi. Well, sure, sure. Always punch a Nazi. I also, and we will call spoilers for this, yeah, this was the big thing. This is why we had to talk about this. Issue. Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. Like, we're like, we've got to talk about the last page. And we sort of reverse engineered our way into that. Um, although everything I said, I absolutely think is worth having said. True. Uh, last page. I have a question, Brian. Yeah. Great last page reveal or greatest last page reveal? Um, I, well, I thought they were going to go one way and then they kind of reversed it on me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I see what you did there. That's actually <laughs> not, not exactly the piece I am referring to. No, I know. I know. Um, so we've, we've seen Wally as random prehistoric speedster. Mm-hmm. Wally as impulse. Wally as Jay. Yep. We are, are introduced here to our next time hop, Wally as Eobard Thawd. Yes. But we are burying the lead. I think what, so. What time period, or more accurate question, art style is this last page in, Brian? Oh, this is 100% the old 60s, uh, or actually probably even 50s, uh, um, like, I don't even know how to describe it. Like, it's the fucking cartoon, man. Yeah, essentially, yes. It's the Super Friends cartoon. It's yeah. the exact character designs from that and art style. Solomon Grundy you know wore pants. I, I don't. I don't know that I picked up on that because that was done in such a such a sixties fifties style, obviously because of when it came out. Sure. That it, it didn't. It didn't even click with me that it was the absolute. You're absolutely right, though. It is Super Friends. It is. It is fucking Super Friends. The next issue is Wally in Super Friends. Oh my god. As yeah, well, so the yeah, reverse he, flash. He jumps into Eobard Thawne, and it is literally the entire Legion of Doom going, so should we accept Reverse Flash as a member? <laughs> <laughs> All in favor of admitting Reverse Flash into the Legion of Doom, say evil. Say evil. <laughs> 
I don't know why my Lex Luthor is borderline transatlantic, but he is, and well, I'm standing you know. by it. Sure. It it is it is truly truly beautiful though. I I cannot wait. Oh, I I cannot tell you the sound that came out of my mouth. It I'm sure it would be unpleasant, but it was uh high and loud and uh probably shocking to any passersby outside my window. Well, they just they just thought that a young schoolgirl was squealing inside. That was all. <laughs> it would not be the first time I'd gotten that. I'm a very easily startled human being. And sometimes that does involve a uh, schoolgirl register whale. Okay. This this was similar. There you go. Um, you know who is not an easily startled individual? Who is that? Wonder Girl, Yara Floor. No, she's not. Not even as a very young child. <laughs> Written and drawn by Joel Jones. Colors by Jordi Belair. And letters by Clayton Cowles. Uh, yet another contender in any other week for the prettiest book of the week. No kidding. I mean, the the bus driver clearly thought so. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, so many distractions on the road. <laughs> um, I loved, so this is Yara arriving on the plane in Brazil. Mm-hmm. And when she does... Like, literally, it triggers, the best thing I can use to describe it is something. Like, everybody feels something. There is a disturbance in the force. Exactly. Specifically in on Mount Olympus and Themyscira and Bogdan et al. Uh, like, they know something has happened. Yeah. And it doesn't take them long to figure out what it is. And There's apparently, also this gorgeous double page spread where, like, yeah. kind of everybody in the DCU feels this this ripple. Yeah, like everyone from Catwoman to Batman to Superman to uh, Green, Which, like everybody. I'll yeah. be honest; I just love this excuse to see Joel Jones draw all those characters. Yeah, that's you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Um, and it's just in the center of it is just Yara Flora walking down the street, not a care mm-hmm. in the world. Exactly. It, it turns out that there is very clearly some sort of prophecy type thing where if she returns to her homeland, then it's a problem. Didn't we learn recently that there was a colony of Amazons in? Yes. Yeah. In, in Brazil. In Brazil. Yes. Yes. In the Amazon rainforest. And, and that, that is that is where she is from. Yes. yes. Um, uh, she does not, I don't think she knows that yet. No. In this, yeah. Clearly she doesn't have a whole lot of recollection because we see a flashback scene at the beginning that, and we learn that her adopted mother, who we'd seen, is actually her aunt. Yes. So I kind of, with that knowledge, read that opening as her mother sacrificed herself to save her. I am all very, very questioning of that as well. That's certainly possible, yeah. yeah. Um yeah, I don't I don't know what her being there is supposed to trigger. We've obviously seen flashes of a future for her where she goes into Hades, where she hangs out with her uncles who are the gods of the sun and moon. We've seen all these 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 big things for her, but yep. we don't have the pieces to put them together yet, which I mm-hmm. love. Yeah, no, the only big piece I think we really get in this is it has something to do with Hera and some sort of 
it looks sounds like deal that was struck about mm-hmm. how as long as she doesn't return to her homeland in Brazil, then Hera will not do something. Right. And so now it sounds like Hera's going to be doing something. <laughs> as Hera is wont to do. Um, yeah. I do have one question, Brian. Mm-hmm. And maybe, maybe, I don't know, there are some time shenanigans going on between this and Infinite Frontier Zero. Didn't we see Hera die? Wasn't she one of the, not elders of the universe, but whatever they were called that Dark I, yeah, said? I'm, you know what, I'm thinking, I'm thinking there's, oh, oh, I know what you're talking about. One of the, one of the ones that was welcoming. Yeah, that, that offered Diana a place in their ranks. Uh, I don't think she, because Zeus was there, so I don't think she was. Okay, I could have sworn, like, she and her peacock shawl was there, but maybe I'm just Maybe not. I, I, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm not 100% sure. It's cool. Remember. Yeah. Um, I do not have it handy at the moment. I don't either, I don't either. Check. But I loved, I loved this book. I, I did it's, too. It's beautiful, I love Yara Floor as a character, like, I love everything about oh. this. And we got to see Nubia in her role as Queen of yes. the Amazons. Love that character design for her. Mm-hmm. I, I would take this book weekly, Brian. I would, <laughs> I would read as many issues of this as I could get my hands on as quickly as possible. Yeah, I was, you know, I was a little, I was a little, uh, a little upset when Joel Jones was leaving Catwoman, but the fact that we have Ron V writing Catwoman and now Joel Jones is writing this, I. I Lose the right call, clearly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, still mad at the CW for not picking up the Yara Floor TV show, though. That was a mistake. Well, yeah, what, what was up with that? We're getting Naomi, so at least something good is happening. But, there you go, yeah. Uh, to paraphrase Pedro Pascal, life is good, but it could be better. There it is. Fantastic Four, life story number one. Written by Mark Russell, art by Sean Izaxa, colors by Nolan Woodard, and letters by Joe Caramagna. I I want to start with, I don't know, it almost feels like the reveal for this. But to me, it's the thing that drives it. And that is this sort of like splitting the uprights between Captain Ahab obsession and like Greek prophecy tragedy. Of yeah, well, Reed Richards staring into the void. Let's put it that way for the moment. Staring into the void. It, there's, it, there's very much. I think they, I think they definitely take their characters and turn them up like just one click on the intensity scale. Yeah, yeah. But it makes for some interesting reactions and dynamics. Well, and the idea of seeing these choices and these mistakes play out. Yeah. Over 60 years. That is very exciting to me. I mean, that's I think so. the promise of the series. It's why the life, the, the Spider-Man life story works. Right. I was going to say one. So one of the things I think we should make clear, this is in the similar vein of Spider-Man life story where there is this, this first one is the sixties. The next mm-hmm. one is the seventies and, and they age 10 years in each book. Like it, it follows, it tracks real time. Yeah. Yeah. Now, interestingly, the big difference here is while Spider-Man kind of stuck to, like, snapshots of very specific moments in time. Right. Hey, see what they did there? Yeah. Um, This actually does hop across multiple years in an issue. We see from 61 through 69. Nice. Yes. Uh, 
different points in time. And one of the things I think that lets us explore well is the idea that the Fantastic Four is always a family and they're always around each other, but what happens if, like, Ben Grimm disappears for four years? Right, yes. Um, yeah, because that, that was an interesting piece of the story that I think that, like, for and this is kind of where I talked about where they where they turn, specifically Reed and Ben, I think, they turn up a notch. Yeah. Johnny, like, Johnny, I think, pretty much is what you expect from Johnny. Sure. I like that Sue is given a more active role in development in this sort of, well, we can't let it, we can't credit you with anything because they would not accept your work because you're a woman and sexism. Mm -hmm. But she is at the table in a way that I don't think we normally see her. Right. Well, certainly not then. And I think, uh, right. you know, obviously we got to applaud that. But, but yeah, Ben is very, like, much more upset with Reed than... I think he was even in the original con and in the original it was it was kind of played off. Yeah, he was mad, but you know, whatever. This one like no, he gets pit and like leaves them for like 4 years. Well, and it's I think part of the setup for that is he and Reed aren't friends at the outset. Correct. Right. He's, yeah. This guy Johnny knows. Yes, correct. Um Did you uh did you catch the sort of supervisory scientist his name? Uh, Ricardo Jones, Rick Jones, Rick Jones, yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yes. Who is kind of an asshole, <laughs> and I suspect we have not seen the last of him. Probably not, even though we are certainly led to believe that maybe we have. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's talk about the big purple elephant in the room. It's way bigger than an elephant. <laughs> it depends on the elephant, Brian. Well, it's elephants all the way. No, it's turtles all the way down. <laughs> Yeah, the elephants are on the turtles, that's right. Yeah. That's <laughs> Pink elephants on parade. Oh, yeah, no. Um, so as part of this, once they obviously, you know, the whole, they go up in the spaceship, they get the cosmic rays, their powers start showing up and everything. But as they're coming back to Earth, the last thing that happens is Reed has a vision. This is the staring into the void. Mm -hmm. And what he sees is Galactus. Yeah, and he becomes obsessed and starts trying to first warn people, but you know he doesn't try to approach anyone until after JFK dies. You have LBJ in the office dealing with uh, Gulf of Tonkin. He doesn't want any part of this. Dr. Jones is in the room as an advisor and also plays Reed off as crazy because Jones hates Reed for stealing his thunder professionally. So Reed becomes obsessed with proving this. Yeah, and can I just say this is probably the the most terrifying version of Galactus I we have seen in a very long time. I agree. Yeah. I love this presentation of him. Yeah. I love that it is Reed's trying to prove that he exists that shows Galactus where Earth. That right. If, if Reed had left it alone. If Reed had not been scientifically obsessed, Galactus would not find Earth. Yeah, and there's a there's a there's kind of a framing narrative for this entire issue, which is uh, when you're when you're desperate, when you're reacting and making decisions because of that, is when you make bad decisions. It's it's the difference between inspiration and desperation, which Correct. is yep. a running theme through this issue. Exactly. And he was desperate to prove that Galactus was there. And he did, and also got Galactus's attention, yes. Yeah. 
now the question becomes, when does Galactus show up? Mm. Because if Galactus shows up in the 70s, okay, like, they're all still kind of at the top of their game. What right. if Galactus doesn't show up until they're 60, 70 years old? Right. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. It's, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. It is. I, I love it. I'm ready for more. Shang-Chi number one. Written by Jean Lun Yang, art by DK Ruan, colors by Triona Farrell, and letters by Travis Lanham. So, if you read the recent Shang-Chi miniseries that the same creative team made, this is picking up basically right after that. Uh, Shang-Chi, and if you haven't read that, kind of by virtue of the premise, there are going to be some spoilers. Shang-Chi is now the leader of his father's old army basically and the the five weapons and he is trying to shut down the more illegal illicit operations run it in a way that's not shady and criminal and does not want to tip off spider-man who who he crosses paths with in this issue about the fact that he has inherited this organization that he is responsible for it that he that these weapons that he's trying to find and these drugs that he's trying to find and get off the street are his family's fault. And by virtue of not wanting to let Spider-Man know that, puts himself in a place where it looks like he's trying to protect the five weapons. And it's a really, it's a really strong setup for what this series wants to do and where it's going. The idea that, you know, when Shang-Chi is playing Kung Fu teacher, martial arts teacher to peter parker he's trustworthy and all of that but as soon as he has power as soon as he has resources as soon as he could be a threat suddenly that trust no longer extends and that we know we're going to start seeing that creep into his relationship with other avengers immediately in the same way that you know yang has explored racism through through books like superman smashes the clan this feels like a more contemporary, more subtle exploration of that, but also in a way that feels totally natural on the streets of New York, dealing with, dealing with superheroes. Uh, every like everything else he writes, he's got a sense of humor baked into it. Uh, Shang Chi's younger sister Esme, who is one of the other sort of commanders of one of the weapons, she is helping him. Sister Dagger is her her professional name. Um. She is helping him research and track things down and just has no patience for uh, sparing their enemies, for not intimidating people. And just, like, she's also a kid. So, like, you get sort of the immediate mm-hmm. comedy of, like, angry 12-year-old wants to stab. We, we also learn that Spider-Man's webs feel like snot. Snot <clears throat> crossed with bubblegum. Oh, gross. Yep. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's a really great book. Uh, DK Rowan and Triona Farrell, the art in this is, I'm going to say, I'm going to use the word gritty, but not in that grr 90s things are kind of, of sketchy and jagged way, but in that kind of like 70s film that hasn't been cleaned up kind of way where it feels like there's dust and there are specks of grit on the film and yeah. on the transfer. Like there's something that feels very like kung fu action movie exploitation era yep about the art style that i think is a really cool clever choice uh strongly recommend this i have 
had a bunch of people ask me, hey, after that Shang-Chi trailer, where should I start reading if I want to read about Shang-Chi? And I'd say, grab that first miniseries that's collected as Shang-Chi by Jin Lun Yang, Volume 1, Brothers and Sisters, and then keep going reading this new ongoing. Okay. Uh, Bonus points if you want to grab the Alyssa Wong, Andy Tong one-shot that came out between these two. It was very good. Way of X number two, Krakoa time. Oh boy, uh, Nightcrawler. Um, I, even more so, the one that shocked me and pulled. I mean, I, I expected Nightcrawler to be awesome in this because you know that's kind of what we're been up with. David Wall, David in this though is amazing. Yeah, I. He kind of stole the show. For, for I'd say, probably the first three quarters of this, he feels very much like you expect him to. And then at the end, and we'll talk about the why and the how after we can call spoilers. Uh, but at the end, like, just, it feels like a new chapter for him in a way. Yeah. Like, he's the same character, but he's got a very new outlook. Well, and... So it, it it probably won't shock anybody to know that oh well how how do you how do you reset a character a mutant right now well yeah yeah obviously you kill him and you know have him brought back yeah but this isn't quite the same thing this is a little bit different so let's go ahead and say this is written by Cy Spurrier art is by Bob Quinn colors by Java Tartaglia letters by Clayton Cowles and design by Tom Muller yeah so this picks up. Right where one leaves off, mm-hmm. with Nightcrawler confronting David in the cemetery. And essentially David says, no, I'm not the Patrick man, but I know what's up. I will do you the favor if you do me one first. Right. Uh, and enlists Nightcrawler, who enlists, uh, was it Dr. Nemesis? Dr. Nemesis and, and Pixie. Pixie. Yes. To join him on this mission to investigate this like fallen Orcus base where they have been studying David Howler's brain. Yeah. And specifically found a way to kick his primary personality out so that all the rest, so that he can't keep the rest of them in check. So he is basically, we, as we have seen him up till this moment is a disembodied ghost. Yeah, it's just his astral self, right? Yeah. Yeah. And we learn that the thing they have been researching his brain to do is to socially engineer the fall of Krakoa. Right. And the way we see them do that is to get mutants to to prioritize me over we, the self over the group, which is like the perfect idea to explore with Nightcrawler looking to build a religion. Yeah. It's a great extension of that first issue, Unease, with the lack of value of life as a whole Mm -hmm. given immortality. Like what is the nefarious extension of that? Well, everyone is out for themselves because death and violence cease to have meaning. So I really like what this continues to build for Nightcrawler. We only get sort of one page of his, his, his book, but it makes explicit the connection between this moment and where he's going to go. Uh, And at the end of, of this mission, he essentially has to kill David. He has to put a bullet in his brain, literally the brain in the jar. Right. Um, and that's and, what David wants. And Well, and it is exactly what 
Kurt was kind of rebelling against, right? The idea of of killing a mutant so that they can be brought back whole, right? Yeah. Because what does that say about the life that you're throwing away? But he comes to realize that essentially it's not black and white, right? Well, it's it's such a great inversion of that moment because mm-hmm. this is someone being kept alive in torture against their will. Right. The only solution here is to give him the rebirth. Yes. Um so when he when he is killed um <clears throat> presumably because, you know, he's legion and is so damn powerful, essentially everybody is kind of aware of it. Just like, like Yara Floor touching down in Brooklyn. Exactly. I was thinking that. Um, but so La Five, like, literally kind of stop what they're doing and start on recreating his body. And that is when you get Charles running in, refusing to put his consciousness back into the new body. Correct. Because he is afraid of what will happen. In which case, we find out that David basically is, is there in his astral form. And says, yeah, that's fine. I'll just take care of it myself. And puts himself back in. Yeah, he's, he's already done that math. Yeah, exactly. And you Because there was no, so the, the other thing, and this is why this is a little bit, is there's no like backup from Cerebro and put in. It is a continuation, a direct continuation. His consciousness just yeah. went into this, yes. But with the caveat that because this is a fresh brain, right? the, the sort of, biochemical uh 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 processes Degra- yeah degradation are, yeah yeah just the biochemical processes that contribute to his mental health mm-hmm. will not be as extreme as they were in his last body correct it will be easier for his primary personality to control everything else yes for the time being right and then you get this great repudiation of both charles and <laughs> magneto yes who are both like trying to appease david now that because David knows what Meg or what Charles was going to do, uh-huh. um, and he basically tells them both to fuck off because he doesn't trust either of them. Yeah, he's like, I don't trust either one of you. And then we get this great. I I trust Kurt because Kurt asks the questions but doesn't pretend to know the answer. Yeah, well, the very beginning of this, he was in Kurt's mind. Yeah. That was, and that was the "I'll do you a favor if you do me." Is he was in Kurt's mind helping him, and then he, you know, asked Kurt to go into his. Um, and yeah, he essentially says, I, I was in his mind, and it, it's absolutely full of nothing but questions, to which yeah. he doesn't pretend to know the answer. And that I trust. Yeah. Um, we also learned that whatever Orcus was orchestrating, they did metaphorically 35 minutes ago. Yes. They have already planted the seeds of whatever selfishness on Krakoa, and that weapon is Onslaught. Oh, my word. Yeah. We find, yeah, Onslaught is the patchwork man. Yeah. Is what we find out, yes. Also, this all takes place <sighs> the day of the Hellfire Gala. Sure, of course this it does. This is earlier that day, because uh, Dazzler has a concert in the oh Green Lagoon, and mentions, <laughs> yeah, we have not talked about the Fabian Cortez yes. Dr. Nemesis scene, which is just <laughs> all, all I, the only way I feel like you could escalate that is have Mr. Sinister walk in and join in on the fun. Maybe, yes. Um, just let's get all of the incredibly extra scuzzy science nerds. 
Well, the, the 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 part of that that is the ultimate for me is the fact that uh, Doctor Nemesis is like, yeah, I don't I don't even know who you are, but you seem like you're in a desperate situation, which is exactly what I need for my experiments. And Dazzler goes, well, it's Fabian Cortez, and Fabian like totally fanboys out. And he's like, Dazzler knows my name. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it's amazing. But she mentions having to get to the gala that evening. Correct, correct, yes. Wonderful. I can't wait. Yep. Then we have Wolverine, which pays off on one of my, like, very earliest uh, powers of 10 House of X theories. Uh, we, 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 well, this is written by Benjamin Percy, with pencils yeah. by Scott Eaton, inks by J.P. Mayer with Oren Junior, colors by Matthew Wilson, letters by Corey Pettit, and designed by Tom Muller. This is the ongoing war between Wolverine and the vampires. Yes. Omega Red has entered the fray. Mm-hmm. And has a plan. He does. And oh my God. What a perfect, perfectly diabolical plan. I love it. Wolverine has been many things, and now he's a Trojan horse. <laughs> exactly. So Because yeah, there's he... an exception to having spare bodies for X-Force members. Uh-huh. I mean, okay. It's an exception to the requirement of having a body to regenerate a member. For an X-Force member, you don't have to prove death to make a new body. Correct. Which creates a loophole which that I pointed exploit. out back where they introduced those rules. Yes. That we have now exploited. So, yeah, Omega Red basically comes up with the idea of, well, if they say they want Wolverine's body so they can harvest and, and take his blood to make them all daywalkers, why don't we just give them Wolverine's body? Only it's a Wolverine who's genetically engineered with bioluminescence harvested from, like, phytoplankton or whatever, so that when they drink his blood, it will generate sunlight in their veins. Yes. And literally burn them up from the inside out. <laughs> it's, as I said, diabolical. It, I Well, and it's, it is absolutely perfectly suited to come from the mind of Omega Red, right? Yeah, like yeah. Omega Red and Beast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ugh. I have I have concerns about Hank McCoy. We've talked about this before, but Yeah. Uh I think I think that boy needs some counseling. I think you are probably correct. But hey, you can't argue with its effectiveness though. No, no, you can't. Uh we also <laughs> here are some weird words to put together. Wolverine and his vampire nun friend go to Otherworld to visit the vampire colony there that are older established vampires that are not thralls of Dracula and enlist the help of the Horsemen of Death to take down vampires. Yes. Oh, I'm so excited to see him again. I am too. Yeah. Good job, Benjamin Percy. Ah, so good. And. I know from reading uh, Solicitation, Solemn's going to show up again soon. Um, you know we, you know I love that. Yeah, that very is, excited. That is maybe the best character from Ten of Swords. Very possibly, certainly, certainly top ten. Yeah, is it still good? We have Luna number four. Uh, as it turns out, if you are basically a, uh, vampire who's stolen your abilities from a god who you keep chained in a cave, maybe don't ask the person trying to free that god to help you 
by letting you drink her blood. She might pull a Wolverine. Justice League number 61, Brian. Uh, in addition to finding out that Hot Girl is a big fan of the Black Canary Green Arrow relationship, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we find out that uh, superheroes going to Naomi's homeworld uh, get a boost that maybe they can't control. We also learned that you can't be anxious when Batman says DuckTales. They, there you go. Why does that work? I don't know, but it does. Yeah. Uh, Meanwhile, in Justice League Dark, uh, Ragman enters the scene, and uh, we we discover silence in the library. Silence in the library. There you go. Next Batman, Second Son, Chapter 12. This is the last chapter. Uh, We'll talk about this in single issue when that comes out. But uh jace and vol realize they need to brush up on their greek because neither of them knows what coroptera means nightwing number 80 brian um dick recruits the help of a couple of friends barbara and tim the best robin his words not mine (laughs) you can see why a lot of people think that exactly uh and um uh, Dick gets accused of murder by the police and uh, has to have Barbara come back to help him, which uh, leads to my quote of the week. Brian's quote of the week. Quote, quote. So um, they are, she comes back because she was with him at the time uh, that this person was murdered. So she comes back to be his ally and the police are questioning the two of them. And uh, she's like, yeah, I, w- I was with Dick all night. I have a GPS on my phone. I can show you. Da, da, da. I see, Miss Gordon. And uh, what is the nature of your relationship? And the two of them just look at each other. <laughs> and Dick goes, I've been wondering that myself, but an interrogation is not how I wanted to broach the subject. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, so good. So Damn. good. Yeah, there's like two other potential quotes of the week in here, too. So, like, that, like, that's how good this is. Yeah. Superman, red and blue, number three. As always, just a couple of highlights. We have Deadline by Jesse J. Holland, Laura Braga, Hi Fi, and Dave Sharp, which is about Batman and Wonder Woman placing bets with each other on whether Clark will manage to make his filing deadline for the Daily Planet. And make it to dinner with them on time. Uh, also, A Man Most Saved by Brandon Thomas, Barrett Pekmeshi, and Dave Sharp uh, is about a man who Cat Grant is interviewing because Superman has saved him like a dozen times. And they know each other so well that they occasionally like meet for lunch now. Who then gets the opportunity to save Superman. But all of these are great. I mean, there's a James Stokoe in here. There's a Michelle Fife in here. Uh, Nick Spencer and Christian Ward have a story in here. Always great. Stillwater number seven. Uh, We learn who is leading the resistance in Stillwater. Um, And it's the kids who are tired of being perpetually young. Stray Dogs number four. Uh, the, The dogs debate whether or not uh, the man is going to kill them all or not and then find the answer to their question 
Uh, I'm just gonna go out out and say like straight up if if a book that involves dogs dying is not your cup of tea, go ahead and just have that content warning for this book. Uh, it will definitely bum you out. Yeah, if you couldn't watch John Wick, this is probably not your book. <laughs> I mean, look, I. I stopped John Wick while the dog was still alive, and as far as I'm concerned, it's the story of a man who got through grief by adopting a puppy. The end. The end. It's a nice short film. <laughs> Love it. They get in the car, and it fades to black. The Amazing Spider-Man, number 66. Uh, Peter realizes the folly of trusting Boomerang as he and basically the new Avengers decide maybe it's time to take Fisk down after he starts reviving dead people. Black Knight, Curse of the Ebony Blade, number three. Uh, Dane Whitman and Mordred fight over basically an evil Holy Grail, and we learn kind of the secret history of Camelot, part two. Champions, number seven, Brian. Um, <clears throat> Sam and Miles... Uh go in for their final in interviews for the Roxon internship. Um, Sam doesn't get, isn't going to get hired because he's too boring. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then, uh, <laughs> well, let's just say he got the attention of, of them again. <laughs> um, Daredevil number 30 Daredevil's legal team and prosecutors Make him an offer that he shouldn't refuse, but being Matt, being Matt fucking Murdoch, he does. And we see Elektra train her new sidekick. Words that are terrifying to hear next to each other. Heroes Reborn, number three, Brian. Uh, this is our story. Uh, our main story in this uh, is our story about Blur uh, and how I, I take a quick minute i loved how they presented a speedster in this how they literally they're they're going so fast that like it is the absolute most ultimate case of add that can possibly exist yeah the the opening page narration three different times he's like by the way did i mention how many tvs i have i forget lay count real quick 65 three more boxes and i own so many tvs i forget how many 65 yeah I just counted yes but yeah it's like i can totally 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 see that yeah. he's yeah. watching all these tvs he's on six or no like 12 different cell phones at a time mm -hmm. playing all these games but he can't play anything online because no wi-fi signal can keep up with him correct like yeah it's wonderful <laughs> and then our backup story um is cap and blade uh finding the next recruit for their team which is the new Phoenix. Yeah, you can say that again. <laughs> it's the new Phoenix. The Immortal Hulk, Time of Monsters. This uh, goes back to basically the first Hulk to ever exist. Uh, and the cruelty that was visited upon his host that led to the Hulk's anger problem. The Hulk's very understandable anger problems <laughs> the mighty valkyries number two uh while jane deals with loki's child and whether or not they are in fact the monster loki claims they are runa helps her uh friend or at least the person who she knows from her past who is a uh a seer 
escape. And look, if you're trying to find the best escape path, having someone who can see the immediate future guide you, super helpful. I would I would think so, yeah. Runaways, number 36. Uh, look, if you can travel through time and you decide to go back in time to uh, the point in time when your ex-boyfriend, who you used to be the same age as, was the age you are now, Make sure when you're hiding out in the woods making out that your past self and your past self's boyfriend don't. Just solid life advice there. And finally, the autumnal number seven, the penultimate issue of this series. Uh, I cannot get over how, like, constantly this book balances being absolutely gorgeous and absolutely horrifying at the same time. Cat uh, finally has to face Clementine Biddle's legacy. And uh, almost gets drawn into buying into it herself. There you This week's books. Yeah. First up, we have Milestone Returns, Infinite Edition, number zero. Uh, you might have read this digitally already, mm-hmm. but this is the print release. Yeah, and it is, it is described as the extended cut. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, I think this is the same as what is available on comiXology if you have milestone returns infinite edition Mm -hmm. it contains both the fandom preview which i think is what it is referring to being extended relative to yeah uh that is written by reginald hudland and greg pock with art by jim lee ryan benjamin dennis cowan jimmy palmiotti don ho bill sinkevich koi fam and scott Hanna. colors by alex sinclair hi-fi and chris sotomayor and letters by andworld design uh the new content which is called the big bang features the same creative teams who will be writing the upcoming miniseries that start in june july yep uh again written by reginald hudland this time art by dennis cowan nicholas draper ivy bill sinkevich chris cross and juan castro colors by nicholas draper ivy chris sotomayor and will quintana and letters are again by Android Design. I've already read this, and it's absolutely fantastic. I'm super excited I've, for what comes after it. So if you haven't checked it out yet, strong recommendation. Yeah, that's why we're mentioning it again. Yeah. Yep. We also have Mr. Miracle, The Source of Freedom, number one of six. This is following the same Mr. Miracle from Future State. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the present, sort of showing his transition from magic performer to superhero. Uh, it is written by Brandon Easton, with art by Fico Osio, colors by Rico Rinzi, and letters by Rob Lee. I really dug the version of this character we saw in Future State, so yeah. I'm excited for more here. And I don't, I, don't, I, I don't know if you mentioned it at the beginning or not. It is a six-issue series. Yes. Yeah. The other history of the DC universe, number four, Brian. Oh my God! This is uh, John Ridley writing. Art is Giuseppe uh, Camincoli and Andrea Cucci. Uh, Jose uh, Villarubia is colors and letters are Steve Wands. Uh, this series has been so good. It is so different and does uh, like this is like the college research paper of like digging into a subject i I, like i just i love how good these are uh this one is going to be covering uh renee montoya as question and yeah absolutely thrilled to to get this next installment of this yeah i 
This may be the single issue I'm most excited for of this, just because I love Renee Montoya so much. Yes. Yep. Reptile, number one of four. Written by Terry Bloss, pencils by Anid Balam, inks by Victor Olasaba, colors by Carlos Lopez, and letters by Joe Sabino. Uh, I don't know a lot about Reptile. I know he was in the backup of the King and Black Spider-Man. Actually, he was in both stories. In the King and Black Spider-Man one-shot. The backup just was from his perspective. Marvel swears up and down this is going to be their next big hit. And I have no reason to know why they say that. But I like that called shot. And I dug that backup and that one-shot. So I am happy to give it a go. All right, then. Uh, Then finally, we have The Blue Flame, number one. This is a vault series written by Christopher Cantwell with art by Adam Gorham, colors by Kurt Michael Russell, letters by Hassan Atzman Elhow. And, like, any, pick just about any one of those names, vault included, and I would be (laughs) paying attention. But all of them makes it feel like a must-read. This is... Also kind of a weird thing for Vault, because their sort of one rule is no superheroes. And that leads me to think this is very much not a story about superheroes as much as it is another kind of story about a superhero. Right, like like superheroes more the setting, not not the story, yeah. right, yeah. It's not the capes genre. Right. Um, I've seen a bunch of different uh, uh, professional comics professionals tweet about it, and I get the sense that this is going to be, like, super bittersweet and reflective. And I'm really curious to see what that looks like. And I believe that will do it for us this week. I think so. We would like to thank Chase Parker for our intro voiceover. Panelology is a member of the Certain POV Network. If you're looking for other cool podcasts about popular culture, go to CertainPOV.com. I will go ahead and mention, by the way, I was recently on another episode of Comics Quest, this time to talk about Sweet Tooth. The timing is a coincidence, but there's also a Sweet Tooth show starting on Netflix in like two weeks, so (laughs) uh, feels like a good time to get in on that, huh? You can visit us at panelologypodcast.com, support us at patreon.com slash panelology, Get merch at bit.ly slash merch, capital B, capital M. I will mention, I did add a new piece of merch there last night. It actually has nothing to do with anything on Panelology, but it's Tim's fault. Uh, Tim wanted a shirt that said, going full grimace, and so he has it. So if you two want a piece of merch that inexplicably declares that you are going full grimace, get that before I take it down. It just makes me laugh. Yeah. It's all white text, but the uh, A in Grimace is purple. I was Uh, really proud of that design choice. Beautiful. Uh, Sometimes you can make a joke with lettering. If you have questions, comments, or whatever for us, you can send them to us at bit.ly slash panelology mailbag. Again, capital P, capital M. I'm Alex. And I am Brian. There's going to be a lot this week, so go read comics. CPOV. CertainPOV.com.